You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of the e-commerce marketing show. I'm excited because my guest today is Vivian Kay, and she's like the perfect person that we could be talking to for the show. If you just go to her Twitter and check her out in her Twitter bio, she says, two times successful bootstrapping entrepreneur with 6 million in revenue. That's exactly the people that we want to talk to on the show. So, hey, Vivian, nice to see you. Nice to have you on. And I'm excited to learn from you for a little bit. Yeah. Nice to see you in real life and not on the Twitters. <laughs> always, always, always on the Twitters. That's right. I want to just ask you a lot of dumb questions, honestly, about... There is no such thing as a dumb question. None. That's what people have been telling me my whole life and we're still getting through. But I don't want to immediately start with your background because I want to pull up this tweet that I just saw from you that I actually just retweeted before this because I think it's probably the most important piece of advice I think we could hit on right away. I just want to pull this up. So you said, start it, just start, start small, start where you are, start and make mistakes, start with what you have, start with what you know, start despite whatever it is, start by taking that next step, start by taking the next step after that, just start, start now, start it. I couldn't agree more with that, but can you explain to me in your words, like the why behind that? Well, a lot of people think that they need all sorts of things to get started. You need to have money to buy the inventory. You need to have the experience in order to figure this out. You need to have this backed and that perfect and a perfect brand and a perfect logo and all that jazz. I am, I think, one of the greatest examples of what the opposite of what success looks like. I'm the exact opposite of that. And I started where I was. I started with what I have. I started with what I knew. I started where I was. I still made it. I am not VC backed. I am a college dropout. I am a single mother. I am a black woman. I live in Canada. All those things. <laughs> I'm not sure what Canada has to do with it, but all those things really should have hindered my success. Canada's better right now. Yeah, now we were sort of <laughs> like, oh, we don't know about you, America. You guys can just stay down there. But, you know, I'll still take your money. I'll still take your U.S. dollars. (laughs) But yeah, I started. And I think that's really a huge block for a lot of people, especially as entrepreneurs. They think that, and especially when they're looking at people's Twitter feeds or their Instagram feeds, looking at this lifestyle that people have curated for their, I guess, consumption. But what you don't understand is these people started somewhere. Being an entrepreneur is running a marathon. It's not a sprint. And even when you're training for a marathon, what do you do? The first thing you do is you wake up. Second thing you do is you get out of bed. The third thing you do is you put on your clothes. The fourth thing you do is you put on your shoes and so on and so on. I love that because like I think through my job, I talk to a lot of marketers and everybody, the thing you hear about, oh yeah, I'm going to launch that thing when I blank, right? When I get that money, when I have the launch plan, oh, I'm not ready to share my idea. And I think a lot of people, you have to do that to feel it firsthand because a lot of times like, you might put something out into the world that seems really obvious and it takes off like wildfire. And the reason why is because 99% of the other people didn't actually like hit publish on that thing. And if you can build on that every day, that's how you ultimately build an audience, build a brand and all the way down. Exactly. Exactly. What's your personal story? Like now, you're now this successful entrepreneur in e-commerce. And I think for the sake of this interview, like 
you have an amazing backstory that we should tell at some point. But I think just to focus this part on marketing, because I think a lot of people don't believe that they're marketers, even though they have to be. And so I'm just curious to like, tell me about the first business that you started and how you started to actually grow that thing. Well, I started just by starting, right? So I saw a problem that needed to be solved. So my first business, I was a wedding decorator. And I'm one of four girls and I'm the second oldest. And my older sister was getting married. She needed to hire a decorator to decorate her wedding. She hired one. The decorator said, okay, I'll do everything for $1,000. Two weeks before the wedding, she said, I'm going to need another $1,000. But she wasn't very specific about what she was going to do with this $2,000. And of course, two weeks before your wedding, money's tight. You don't have an extra $1,000 lying around. We ended up hiring another decorator. And that decorator did a craptastic job in decor. And so then I looked at that whole experience and I thought that it didn't need to be that way. Like, why can't someone just offer simple yet fabulous decor at reasonable prices and spell out exactly what it is that you're going to get? For me, it wasn't rocket science. This came to me naturally. It was just like I saw a problem and I saw a gap in the market and I decided to solve it. At the time, I didn't know that's what I was doing. Naturally, this made sense to me. It was through doing that business that I had another problem to solve which was I needed to look quote unquote presentable. So for black women, what that means is basically, I guess society has these beauty standards that women typically have to live up to and more so black women. And I needed something that looked presentable, which is basically my hair needed to look straight because I served all the demographics, you know, living in the greater Toronto area. That's what you do. And so I needed something that looked like my hair. But when I went looking for it, I couldn't find my hair. Like I couldn't find hair extensions that looked like my hair. A lot of black women, we protect our hair because our hair is not suited to this North American environment. Oprah is wearing a wig. Beyonce is wearing a wig. Any black woman you see that's a celebrity is wearing a wig. So I wanted something that looks like my hair, but I couldn't find it. Or if I did find it, it was buried underneath silkier textures. So then I thought to myself, there is no business just selling kinky hair, but I filed it in the back of my head and went about my business because I was running a successful business, right? And then I went to a meetup and there was another black woman there and she came up to me and she asked me who my hairdresser was and what my regimen was for styling my hair. And I was like, girl, this is a weave. And for black women, just the fact that another black woman couldn't tell that you were wearing hair extensions, that's one of the highest compliments that can be paid. And so then she said, wow, I would buy that. And that's when the light bulb went off. So I thought, well, if she would buy it and I would buy it, there's got to be at least a dozen other women who would buy it too. And you are the customer. Like you feel that. That must have been an amazing moment. Like this idea just instantly validated. You probably were like, can I get you to say that again, but on camera? (laughs) No, you know what? Because at the time it was just, you know, you didn't need that proof. You know, you didn't need that social proof, right? I just thought, well, if I fooled another black woman, I could probably fool a whole bunch more. Right. So, I don't know if this was on purpose or a coincidence, but the last episode that we did was with Orion Brown from Black Travel Box. And she started a business where she created skincare and beauty products to travel because whenever she traveled places, she couldn't find the stuff that she was used to using. And I think a story like that is so good because the marketing for that, not that it's easy, but it becomes easy because you're not faking it. You're not like Vivian trying to figure out how to do marketing for a cybersecurity company. You live this, you breathe this, and you can just you can just come and tell your story. And I think that's clear if you go to the website, which is kinkycurlyyaki.com. And we'll put it in the notes and everything. But if you go to that website, it's clear that there is more than a product. There's a personality behind this whole thing. 
Dave, I get high on my own supply. And it's super important that if you're starting a business, you need to get high on your supply. It makes it more believable. It makes it authentic. It will resonate with people. It's actually one of my keys to success is that I am my own customer. How does that play out in your marketing? Like if you could just get a little bit tactical with that. Is that in your emails, in your content? Like have you built a strategy around that? I'm asking to try to lead you in one way because a lot of people that we talk to that are entrepreneurs, they're like, I don't have time to create content, you know, and they just create product pages and that's your website. But I feel like you have those two things really integrated. Well, one of the things that's happening in our industries, especially for black women, is that we don't have a lot of control over our beauty. Like we don't own the hair stores. We don't own the hair products. We don't own that whole chain, supply chain, right? So one of the things that I realized that would make me stand out in this particular niche was that I looked like my customers. And that automatically is something that, you know, if you're a black woman who is looking to protect their hair, you know, I know what I'm talking about because I've lived your experience. And in immediate, like when you said about the black travel box, I immediately knew what she was talking about. Like I just came back on a train trip and, you know, I was in a spa and all the shampoo was not made for my hair, but I didn't have any travel size products to bring with me so that I could wash my hair after using the spa, right? But anyways, to answer your question, which I've totally forgotten. <laughs> well, it's okay. You mentioned something which is really important. So I think one of the most important books about marketing is called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. And it was written in 1986. And in that book, he has basically six principles that say like guide people's subconscious thinking for better or worse. And one of the most important ones is the liking principle. And what that says is like, we are more likely to want to talk to, work with, do business with brands and people that look and feel like us. And that could be color of your skin, right? But it could also be if you're going to go to the gym and take fitness tips, like you want to do that from someone that looks like a wild animal who just works out all day. Like that's who you want to take your advice from. And so that's a really interesting thing. And I think especially today in e-commerce, the story is not like, oh, I just dropped out of school and I wanted to make money. And so I started a men's underwear company. The reason that most people start brands is because there's a real reason they have a story like yours. Right. How did you get customers? Because I have some really good prep notes from Lauren on our team, but she says, I'm not sure if I believe this. So I want to ask you about it, which is that you grew without ads. But Vivian, I thought that the playbook in e-commerce is set up a store on Shopify, buy customers from the Facebook store, and, and that's how you do it. Nope. I built it. I got it to a million dollars without a single paid ad. And how I did that was because, again, I was trying to solve my own problem before I decided to run it as a business. I created a community without realizing that's what I was doing. So in order to solve my own problem, I joined Facebook groups. I joined hair forums, black hair forums, black hair care groups. And I was just being Vivian. And like you mentioned, people don't necessarily buy your product. They're buying you. And so then in these groups, I was just being Vivian. And at the time, being a personal brand was not a thing. Like being the face of your brand was not a thing. This was back in 2000, you know, 2012. And so then I did. I was just Vivian. And then I launched the company without telling anyone it was my company. And people bought into it. You know, it was great. You know, it took off initially. But when they found out, it's a funny story because I didn't necessarily say it was my business. Someone tried to out me. I didn't put the who is privacy on my website. <laughs> I never spend that $69.99. Right? So then I didn't buy the who is. And so someone got smart and created a fake Facebook profile, joined the groups, and then outed me to the groups. But what they meant for my downfall was actually, it was my rocket fuel. 
everyone found out that it was me behind the business and they were like, well, all the more reason to support it. And so people don't realize that you have to create a community. You have to find out whether or not there was a problem. And the reason why I knew there was a problem is because it was my problem and other people had that problem. So I knew there was a business idea there, but I was afraid to start. What happened was I turned 35 and at 35, I was like, you know what? I just need something that's just going to just, ah, you know, just rocket fuel me. And then I was at the end of November. And then by the end of December of 2012, I launched Kinky Curly Yaki. Okay. So what was the like technology landscape like in 2012 for... for <laughs> Sounds a, so long ago. It does, right? <laughs> for, for a budding, for, for a budding uh, entrepreneur in, in e-commerce, right? Because today I could hang up after this call, set up Shopify, set up Privy, you know, Klaviyo, whatever, a bunch of different tools and, and be running. But my guess is that wasn't the case. And so if you weren't focusing on ads, like... What did you actually do from a website perspective, drive traffic there, convert people, email, you know, what did you do? Uh, well, I didn't actually do email until 2017. So I'd hit million before email too. So you didn't have, you didn't have an email list? So, nope. you, so you got to a million in sales with yep. no ads and no yep. email list. No ads and no email. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power of building an audience. Right. And, and building a community. So, so if you didn't, if you weren't doing ads and you didn't have an email list, where, where was most of your, like, where's most of your audience? It was on social media. So it was on Facebook, actually. It started all on Facebook and it was just started with me being in the groups, being in the groups that um, made sense for me, which was anything related to black hair care. Um, and again, didn't enter these groups to be, to start a business. I entered them to solve my own problem. Um, but yeah, no, what it looked like was I was on big cartel, <laughs> you know, took my pictures with my little Samsung S3, um, took pictures, um, and I was a natural marketer. So I would just, you know, I would always be, um, I would always be up on the new technology. So back then Instagram wasn't really on and popping, but I joined it anyways, because I thought this is another way where I can show pictures of my products. Cause I knew my products were visual. They needed like my customers needed to see it on people. And so then I did that. I did a lot of behind the scenes on Instagram before it was really a thing, before it was content marketing, right? Um, so I did that. I, um, I was always grateful to my customers. I used to handwrite thank you notes on every single packing slip um, that went out. Um, I really made it personal. Uh, was that hard to scale? Absolutely. <laughs> but I still managed to do like, you know, like what that looks like nowadays is now I have an automated email sequence that when someone makes a purchase 24 hours after they've made it, I have a plain text email that goes out that looks like I woke up at two o'clock in the morning to thank them. And it's one of my highest engaging emails because people, like I get a lot of, um, I get a lot of replies to it that are like, Vivian, like if it wasn't for you, um, I wouldn't have been able to ace that interview that I had. Uh, because really at the end of the day, Kinky Curliaki isn't about hair extensions for me. It's about giving black women the confidence to show up as themselves as they are. I, I love it. I'm on your, I'm on your Instagram and it's, it's pretty wild how, how much bigger of an audience. I mean, it makes sense that you've built on, on Instagram and, and, and Facebook than like, you know, Twitter or the, or the other channels. I think it's a good example of like finding, finding the right platform. Um, can you actually tell me uh, if you know off the top, even if you don't know the exact copy, but I want to know what, what is that actual, what does the email actually say? So like I buy something 24 hours later, I get an email. 
what's the subject line and what does it say? Um, I think it says something like, thank you, girl. Like, <laughs> just thank you. And um, I'm actually trying to pull it up right now, but it's basically just saying thank you uh, for supporting my small black business. And that's really important, um, especially um, in our industry, because a lot of our, a lot of uh, hair care related businesses or beauty related businesses are not owned by black women. Um, and so that email just basically says, I really appreciate your support. Um, not only are you supporting me, but you're supporting my family. Um, and I encourage them to follow me on my personal Instagram. So then they can go and see who they're actually supporting and they see I'm a real person. I have a son. I'm a single mom. I do, you know, I do mom things. I do black woman things. Like I'm just magic. And I appreciate you supporting that magic. That's awesome. I I think most people would send that email like, thank you for your purchase. Uh, you know, and, and I think like you, it's almost a shame. Well, I'm, I'm sure people can hear it in your, in your voice, but like I could hear it in your voice, the way that you wrote, would write that copy, right? It's not like the way that you said, hello girl is like, or, or thank you girl is like exactly how you'd want that to come across. Yep. And I'm sure that that is a great, you know, that, that is a great feeling after, somebody buys from you to, to feel like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm like, I made the right decision. Like this is, this is the woman that I should have bought this product from. Like, I feel really good about it. So the exact response I elicit. And that's what people want. They want to even, you have an opportunity even after you make a purchase to make someone continue to feel good uh, about it before that product even comes. And then if you deliver on that and you have a great experience when they actually get your stuff, then it's just like, that's the, that's, that's the Holy grail. Exactly. So do you write, so, so you wrote that copy, obviously that was in your, in your voice, but like you're on your site, like if I go to any of the product pages on your, on your site, like the, the copy is, the copy is great. And it all feels like in that same voice that you just talked through. Did, do you write all this or, or I cause I, you did. Well, what I, so what I do is um, usually I'll have, and I've tried this many times, I'll have someone come in and I'll write, co- they'll write copy. Um, and I, and it doesn't quite do it. <laughs> it doesn't quite capture the tone. And so then what I tend to do is either I'll, I'll, and I'm a quick study. So I'll just study how they wrote it and the cadence and all that. And I'll just Vivianize it. <laughs> and, oh, and interesting. It yeah. So that's interesting. Cause I think a lot of people make, a lot of people struggle with copywriting because, as the brand, if, if you are the brand, you've been Vivian, it's hard to then like give that away and then have one, have somebody do it in your voice. Like I really struggle with that. Like copywriting is my, I think, superpower in marketing. And so like, I've never done well at hiring a copywriter because I always just want to like write it myself. Mm-hmm. But what you do is interesting. You actually go the other way. You have them write it and then you do the last 20%. That's way better than my version, which is I'll write the 80% and have them do the 20%. I love- <laughs> So is that, is that, is that like, is that a, is that how you'd recommend like scaling copyright? Like has that, has that helped you scale and create more copy or do you just have to put in the work and do it yourself? Um, I think it depends on your business because my business I feel is really personal then. Yeah. But if I'm selling water bottles, then it, I guess it doesn't really matter unless you're really pushing it from a, you know, I'm selling this water bottle because I got poisoned by whatever. That's so nice. That's <laughs> not how I got there. But because it's more personal for me and um, I see my business as an extension as, of, of myself, it makes more sense for me to do it that way. So. And, and okay, so now is your, what is your website on today? 
it's oh so um so I quickly outgrew Big Cartel because I realized I couldn't get the I couldn't get the reporting I couldn't get any of that um and then in 2015 I moved over to Shopify when it was just you know that little spunky that little little spunky e-commerce brand coming out of Canada and um yeah as soon as I moved it actually you know what it was after I moved it to Shopify that I hit my first million because I'd taken all the things that I'd learned from my nine to five job. So in my previous life, I was a marketing coordinator. So I learned how to do SEO. I learned how to do, um, um, I guess you could say marketing, like digital marketing. They, they allowed me to get a digital marketing certificate. So I used all the skills from my job and I applied it to this business. So I was doing SEO before, like especially in my niche, before SEO was really the thing to do. And, and I quickly saw that Shopify made it very easy for me to do. So what, what's the right, like, what, what is a, because I think it, a lot of people don't think about SEO. Mm. Uh, so w- where should, like, if someone is in that, if someone is, is you or before, but didn't have SEO experience, I, I'm not at a million in sales yet. And I got a Shopify store up. Like, what, what should you be thinking about from an SEO perspective? And how do you get smart at it? Well, SEO for one is not a short term win. Like, it's not a short term thing. You have to do SEO for the long run. So because I've been doing this SEO since let's say 2012, now I've, I've grown. And, uh, you know, Google sees me as the authority on kinky textured hair, right? So you don't look at SEO as a quick win. You look at it as a long-term, as a long-term thing that you do for your website to help you gain that recognition, that, that, um, that, um, that heavy, that, you know, that, that, that thing that Google knows that you know what the, you know, what the hell you're talking about. So, yeah. uh, and it's so easy to do that people think that you need to hire, you know, agencies to do it. Listen, if you know your product like you should, you are able to do it. And go back to what you said earlier, which is like, if you're your customer, you just becomes like, what is my customer thinking about when they go to Google, right? They're not exactly. typing like kinky, curly, yaki, uh, ponytails. They don't know that yet, but they might be, you know, there might be a more specific search. And so what is that? And how can you bake that into your product listings and product pages? And your titles and your meta descriptions and your images. This is great. I'm glad. So, so Lauren, who does the podcast uh, and all content and privy, we've been talking a lot about SEO. And this is great because she's going to listen to this when she edits later. And it also is going to serve as like a reinforcing belief now from you on what we've been talking about with SEO, which is like, it sucks to do it in the short term. Like it's not in the short term, you're not going to get anything from it. You're not going to be like, Ooh, we got, we got, we got, you know, new traffic from this thing. But like, we're starting to see posts that we created like three, four months ago, start to bring up organic search in, in Google. And I'm like, the conversation we just had the other day was, now imagine a year from now, if you have 20 pages that are contributing that traffic that you don't have to spend a time on right now to make and you're going to pay, it's like, you know, compound interest. Yeah, the nodding I am doing right now, like even now, it's like, um, you know, posts that we put up, you know, years ago. It's like I, my number one source of traffic is organic. It's all it's organic. So what, give me, I just, I want to, I want to see how this might, this might play out. So like, what is, what's a, what's a search term that you know that you rank for? Um, kinky textured hair extensions. Hold on one second. All right. Okay. Kinky textured hair extensions. Boom. You have the first two spots. So your homepage, so, so not, not just the product page for that collection for clip-ins, but you also have the homepage, 
uh, and you have the, the clip-in hair extensions right there. And that, that is amazing because if somebody does search for that, you didn't spend a dollar on that. You wrote that post years ago. Yep. Yep. Um, and so like, how often do you think about like, are you off? Like, is SEO a thing that you have to like, uh, this month I got to do SEO or is it an ongoing thing that you just always think about? No, the ongoing thing that you would think about is creating new content like blog articles or videos or, um, you know, those sorts of things, Pinterest, whatever it is. But the actual website itself, that's stuff that that's, that's gold. That's, that's there. How do, how does like, do, do you have, do you have a blog for the site? I do. And how does that fit into like, how do you prioritize that content? Because I think a lot of a lot of people like don't they have a hard time because of the long term, right? Like saying like, okay, I'm gonna go write like I'm gonna how am I gonna go spend time and go create blog content for this? I think you need to not overcomplicate things. Like you can break down eat like the simplest thing. Like say for instance for hair extensions, like are some of our blog articles are is what is four C hair? Like things that people Google, that's what you create. Art, you create blog articles about. So don't overthink it. Dumb it down. Like explain everything like you're five. So if you're selling water bottles, okay, well, what's H? I don't know. What's, uh, what's the difference between a, a glass bottle and a plastic bottle? Right? You just dumb it down. Like don't overthink it. Like people are, trust me, people Google some dumb stuff <laughs> and you want to be that stuff that they find. So the, the Vivian K playbook so far is um, <laughs> don't run ads, don't have an email list, be, be in groups, be good at copywriting, do SEO. Um, how, talk to me about like the elements that are actually on your website and how that's evolved over time. Because I, I, I got to figure like if I plugged your website into like the Wayback Machine and I looked at it five years ago, um, you've added way more social proof testimonials. Can you talk about how that's evolved a little bit? Yeah, well, um, you know, you got to pay attention to technology, right? You got to pay attention to how um, e-commerce is evolving. So, um, you know, back in 2015, we weren't posting reviews, um, but now reviews, you know, having a review app like we use uh, JudgeMe uh, is something that is important. It shows, it gives that social proof. Five years ago, I didn't have pop-ups, but I use Privy and Privy's brought in, I think, clo- I think just over a million dollars um, in, in sales that I probably would not have had, had I not had the pop-up. Right. So, um, you just have to pay attention to technology and what's working. Um, you also don't want to have 30 million things on your website because it will slow the website down. So you have to be really picky about the types of apps that you have on the website. But the only difference is, you know, maybe, you know, I started with a a logo I created in, in, what was it? Microsoft Publisher. Right. And now it's a sexy, you know, it's a sexy website that I paid, you know, a good amount of money for a logo. Um, You know, the pictures before were just me on my S3 taking pictures on, you know, on on my dining room table. And now it's like a sexy $20,000, you know, photo shoot thing. But I started somewhere. And that's the thing. You cannot be ashamed of humble beginnings. You just got to start where you are and work with what you have. And trust me, when you get to my level, you're going, the, the journey's even sweeter. That's amazing. This episode, I, I've been taking, I've just been scribbling down notes and quotes the whole time. I mean, you already <laughs> know that you're a, 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 a you're a, a bucket full of quotes. I don't even know what the saying is, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'm a bucket full of quotes. <laughs> just carrying around a bucket full of quotes. Um, okay. You may, tell me about, you made a, you spent 10 grand on a photo shoot and you hated it. 
And it was for this current version of the website. Oh my goodness. Um, It's really a story about why you can't hand off your vision to other people. So what happened was the same people who created my beautiful logo and beautiful uh, branding, I said, oh, wow, you did that so well. Can you go ahead and, you know, pull off this photo shoot for me for this new website I'm going to put up, right? And I was, I was very hands off with it. So they did the model call. They did everything. They handled everything. And it looked beautiful, like, you know, from all, for all um, you know, intents and purposes, it looked like it was going to be the best photo shoot of my life. I show up on set and I hate it. I hate the models. I hate the music that's playing. I hate everything that's in the, in the photographer. I hate them all because it wasn't a Vivian vibe. What, um, music, thought, what music were they playing? I and just it was just, it was like some Frank Ocean crap. Like it was just very mellow and very like, just not me. Like if this was my photo shoot, I would have been playing like, I don't know, uh, like some Drake or something, but it was just very mellow. Um, and I thought, and all I could think of was this cost me $10,000. I need to just shut my mouth and just, you know, bite my tongue and just let it go. These guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. I'm just going to let it go. But it, it, it was like two hours into the shoot and I just couldn't take it anymore. I got up, I changed up the music <laughs> because I'm like, I'm falling asleep. Um, the models look like they're falling asleep. And I thought I salvaged it. When I got the first pictures back, I was like, oh no, this, this, I don't like this, but you know what? It's okay. I spent $10,000. I'm going to make it work. It wasn't until I saw the videos and I was like, hell no. Nope, 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 nope. This is not what I wanted. This is not, I, I don't care how much money I spent. This can't go live. I cannot use these pictures. And so I had to start over again and spent another 12000 to fix to fix that. And that that's what you see on the website today. Yeah. And I'm glad I spent that money. You cannot worry about the sunk costs if it's not right for your brand. That's a good point. Because I think it, it probably would have been easy to be like, shit, I just blew 10 grand. Oh, we can curse? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, like, I just spent 10 grand. Uh, I guess I got to go do something. Even though that, that was bad, that sucked. I got to go do something else where your mindset was like, no, we still got to make this. We still need to get this because I need this for the site. Yeah, because it was not, it was not, it didn't look like Kinky Kurliaki. It did not look like what I had worked all these years. So this was in 2018. So at that time, the business was six years old. And I'm like, I did not work this hard to go out like that. <laughs> Wait, I, I didn't work this hard to, to show up at my photo shoot but not have Drake playing. Like, right. this is not what I came to do. No. Um, and and it, it's interesting because like, that is such an important, that is the product. Like, your photo, like your photos of the business of the product. That's like the most important thing that you could be spending time on. I, I remember reading like uh, Steve Jobs marketing stuff because he's the most like obsessed, maniacal marketing person ever. He he still sweat every headline, every font, every color, you know. And so there's this balance of like I think a lot of founders want to get out of the weeds and 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 scale in the marketing stuff, but oftentimes like delegate the wrong stuff. Especially if this is your brand, like this is yep. your baby. You're, who's going to know the look and feel of this thing better? Like, sure, maybe maybe have someone run your ads for you, but not not run. You know, do your do your photo. Yeah, but even those, even those, they screw up, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, even, so, so like, how do you how do you how do you do it then? Like, how do you like how do you help? Maybe how do you help somebody scale? Right? Because I think in that mindset, you're just going to end up doing everything forever, and you're always going to be just buried in it. 
you have to communicate what your brand's mission values and um, your mission values and, and, and I don't even forget what the other fancy word is, but you just have to communicate that and you have to communicate it really well and you have to make sure that whoever you're bringing on board understands that. Like anytime I hire anyone to do ads or to do social media management, I say, you know what? Can you show me examples of what you think my brand is supposed to look like? So I can see if they actually understand what I'm trying to pull off here. Right. Because they, be they might be good at running ads, but they might not be good at running your ads. Exactly. Like I've had, I've had people who tried to run ads and they were showing pictures of like, there was like a stock photo of, you know, some uh, girl with, like, it just didn't make sense. Like it made abs and like she had terrible hair in the picture. Like, you know, there's a lot of, that's the thing about with these, sometimes with these stock photos of black people in it. It's like, you guys do not know black people. You don't. <laughs> it's funny. Well, but anyways, that's another, the only, that's another episode. Any, anytime anybody says stock photo, the only thing yeah. I picture of is like this, this like, older white guy in a business suit with an outstretched hand <laughs> shaking across the table, like in a meeting, that's immediately when anybody says stock right. photo, that's what I think of. Right. So then they were inserting these terrible photos of black people, of black women doing God awful things, like things that don't make sense, like smiling at milk and <laughs> thinking that that's the perfect ad to run. It's like, do you not, did you not look at my Instagram and see all the UGC that we have in there that you could have possibly used for this? Right. I mean, yeah, you're, 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 the content that you get is like a marketer's dream. You have your actual customers producing review, reviews and content for you all day. Use that. But no, you want to use the one really terrible picture of a girl who's rocking, not even a kinky curly yaki look. So she's doing that whole African in the front and Indian in the back, which is what my company is not trying to do. But this right. is the one stock photo that she did. Let I me just, know. I could go on and on. I want to spit that lesson back because I think it's really good and I haven't heard anybody say it. So I just want to like repeat it, which is your, your advice is basically like, if you're going to work with a vendor... Their, their test, their homework to win your business first is going to be like, show me how this would look for my brand. Not, yeah. not an example of another client, but like actually what would the creative look like for me? And then, and then if you do that, then we can talk about working together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because for me, I need, it's very important for me that my customers know that I understand them. And, I, and, and that they, they get what I'm trying to do and everything I do resonates with them from all the way from tone all the way down to, you know, to packaging. So I need to make sure that you know what you're, ta- what you, you're doing because what you've done for one business doesn't mean it'll work on my business. Yeah, I love it. This is, this is a good, ep- this is, I, I don't care if this makes it in, this is a good episode. <laughs> okay, I wanna, I wanna wrap up and we're gonna wrap up by shifting directions and just talking about, um, if you could break down the best campaign that you've ever ran. You, yes. It was a campaign I literally made up two days before. (laughs) I literally woke up in the morning. I was like, this is what we're going to do. I think it's a great idea. And it was for my 40th birthday. So I decided um, to send an email out to all, every single person who's ever looked at Kinky Curly Yaki saying that I was going to have a flash sale. So 40% off for my 40th birthday. I gave them six hours notice and I gave them, uh, I gave them 30 minutes to do it. I think it was 30 minutes or 60 minutes, basically uh, 60 minutes. So I gave them an hour to shop up 40% off. In that hour, I think we did like $44,000. And that was with six hours notice. 
Whoa, I'm not a big math guy, but if you did that by the time of how many hours there are in a day, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> exactly. But it was like one of my, and it was something that I just wanted to see what would happen. Like what would happen? So we do you had, remember, do you remember the, do you remember the email that you sent out? If you could talk through it? Yeah, it was just an email. I was like, hey girl, it's always, hey girl, you know, hey girl, uh, I'm turning 40. I am celebrating, you know, I'm doing the big things. I'm celebrating life. Um, and I want to celebrate it with you. And thank you for rocking with me for these past couple of years. So here's what we're doing. It's 40% off for one hour only. I don't care if you were, I don't care what time zone it is. And I remember listing all the time zones you could possibly be in because we serve black women all the way around the world. Um, so we had emails, we had pop-ups. I changed the website because I, uh, I was on Shopify Plus at the time. So I had a different theme that just was like, boom, this is where you're, you don't, don't ask me questions. You want 40% off, buy it and hear it and here it is. So that's what the email did. And it was just me in a crown. Um, it was just really just celebrating life and, and taking you with me. And they loved it. And it was just something I just woke up and decided to do. It wasn't a strategic plan. It wasn't something I had in my marketing plan for the last six months. I knew my birthday was coming up. It comes up the same day every year, <laughs> right? But it was just something I just, I just decided to try. And that's the beauty of being a small business is that you're nimble enough to just try anything. Like it, if that didn't work, the worst thing that you would have gotten is a bunch of people that were like, happy birthday, girl. Like people just would have written back right. to you. Right. Wait, right. did you say you did, did you say you did 44,000 in sales? I believe so. I, this, that's pretty, that's pretty wild then. Your, your 40th birthday, you yeah. did 40% off and you generated just over 40K in sales. Yeah, in an hour. In one hour, in you one think hour. The hour, how much of an impact do you think the hour had on the success of the offer? Um, because it became, it created that sense of urgency, right? So they had to get on it. Otherwise they weren't. And, and you know what? My birthday is a couple of days after Black Friday. So I managed to pull this off after Black Friday too. People who bought on Black Friday bought again on my birthday. So you never have, like, you should never worry. Oh, people don't have money. People have money. They just need to, they just really pick you about how they're spending it. Right. And, well, and you, you, what, what you what you just showed is like the power of marketing. Like that's a great that's a great offer. There's a great hook. It's not just like you can just email your list and say like, hey, it's I got forty percent off for you today. Like the hook is like it's it's my birthday. I'm giving you forty percent off because of my birthday. And by the way, it's only one hour because I don't want to spend all day chasing down these responses. I want to go hang out and like have a drink and just do whatever today. And so uh, you have one hour to buy. And, and no sweat if you don't. Right. Exactly. I was no sweat. I was honestly, I remember just sitting there like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And I had the Shopify dashboard on, had my phone app and it was just cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I, that, that's, <laughs> you need, you needed some other, yeah. Then you need, you need to close this with like where, what you ended up doing for your birthday. You need some 40, I don't know. I don't, there needs to be like a restaurant around 40 that you could match it. So then you went out and celebrated at 40. Oh, Jay-Z has 40-40 club, in, but they, I don't know if they have that in Toronto. So Yeah, no, they don't. I honestly, I think I just went home to my son and we had cake. That's good. That's the best, <laughs> that's, that's the best place. To be. And this is, this is an awesome place to, to end this. Um, Vivian, this is cool because my favorite thing about doing these is I selfishly just get to learn a lot. And uh, you, you, you over-delivered in this interview. And so um, want to just give a quick... Uh, shout out where, where people can go find you uh, online and, and, and go check out your stuff. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Kinky Curly Aki. That's the brand. So it's K-I-N-K-Y-C-U-R-L-Y-Y-A-K-I. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at It's Vivian K, I-T-S-V-I-V-I-A-N-K-A-Y-E. I am an absolute delight to follow. <laughs> 
if you like this energy on a on a podcast, just imagine me on Instagram. I'm I'm lit. I'm lit. So we so gotta yeah, clip, we gotta we gotta clip this and send you a clip. <laughs> and this can be like an ad that you can use to run for your own social stuff. I love Let's it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Trust all me, right. I'm dropping a new Vivian K website. So there's gonna be all the Vivian K things. And guess who I'm using as my pop up? Okay, Privy. Privy.com. That's Privy. great. Privy.com. Vivian, you're awesome. It was great, great to have you on. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on one day. Hope you have a, a great week, weekend, whatever you're doing. I'll talk to you later. Thank you.